It's NL full time once again. We're going to run the rule over the National League as well as the North and South and we're going to have a quick look at the upcoming FA Cup games and also a Step 3 feature. Joining me on the line this week is Rob Worrell. Hello Rob. Hi Luke. And Chris um, is, is here in spirit sort of. He sent us over his North review. Uh, we'll hear from Chris later on. But there's only one place to start Rob in the National League and I think we both agree result of the day Leighton Orient going to Fylden winning three goals to one Yeah fantastic result they got an early early uh, off to a good early start with that man Macaulay Bond but um, his opponent if you like or one of his key opponents for the Golden Boot in the National League Danny Rowe level things and you wondered how it might go from there but fair play to Orient Josh Caroma netting either side of half time gave them a 3-1 win now first of all not many teams go to file them win I think possibly Salford have done it off the top of my head you know second of all what an away record for Leighton Orient now I think they've won six and drawn four lost none away from home well if that isn't championship title credentials I don't know what is it yeah I mean I know we d- we did tip them to do well this year didn't we and they're certainly proving that and if they keep Macaulay bomb fit they'll be there or thereabouts but the not top spot that honour has gone to Wrexham they won by three goals to one against an inform Gateshead side and uh, they'll be they'll be really pleased with that but can they stay there Rob? Well I don't see any reason why not I think they're one of a handful of sides that can realistically consider themselves in the title race you know they still consistently don't let in very many goals they're slowly removing that perception of them that they only score one you know I mean, there's been a number of occasions this season by the end of that game they had gone on to get three as well so they're scoring more they're still not conceding many and uh, you know given that the manager is uh, cutting his teeth in management at this level Rick it's um, I think they're doing a, a fantastic job and maybe after all the years of pressure on Wrexham maybe because this season started well and you've got a great atmosphere around the club. You know, maybe they're just building on that now, and this this could be their season. Personally, you'd, you'd have to come up with a pretty conclusive argument to try and come up with anybody other than Leighton Orient just at the moment. Though. Yeah, and and they're doing it as well without. Um Mike Fondop they relied on him at the start of the season he was an unused sub yesterday and they're starting to share the goals around as well yeah I mean he had a prolific pre-season he took that into the first five or six games he really was on a hot streak but if you look at his uh, his career stats he's not always been prolific he scored goals in little runs and like a lot of strikers actually to be fair but the important thing is when he's not playing or not scoring others are finding the net just moving on to uh, Salford if we can at this point they found a way again yesterday Luke didn't they they found a way to get themselves a very very late point at uh, Eastleigh who were heading uh, for the sort of win that might have just secured Ben Strevens the job permanently you know yesterday they found a way it was Lois Maynard on this occasion but not the first time this season that the likes of Salford or Harrogate have gone and got themselves a very late goal to secure themselves a point when you know on a day when things haven't necessarily gone all their way we'll get on to Harrogate in a minute but just like you say good result that for Salford going all the way down there and getting a late equaliser but for Eastleigh as well I mean I think we spoke two weeks ago after the they went out the, uh, the FA Cup at home to Hampton and Richmond Borough and Ben Shevron was saying look that could have just cost me the permanent job since then they've had a win they've nearly beaten Salford as well and the board will be do you think do you think he'll get off with it now or do you think they'll just say we'll just see how he does in the next couple of games I think he's always had a decent chance because he's been at the club for a while he's highly thought of and um, you know obviously you know defeat in the first match and then an exit from the FA Cup that wasn't helping his chances but as you say since then he's, he's gotten two good performances out of his side and four point point at home to Salford not to be underestimated and we'll look at Harrogate now we said about the two teams below Wrexham and Lake Norwich Salford and Harrogate both got late equalisers Harrogate in the sixth minute of injury time yesterday through Aaron Williams it looked like Chesterfield are finally going to get that win that they've craved since August but they couldn't quite do it and Harrogate have rescued it it's still a decent point for Chesterfield they'll be good they haven't won but it just again shows that Harrogate are, are there for the long run at the top yeah I think I, I might stand corrected on this but I think that might be four consecutive draws in the league now so they've made themselves as Martin Allen said they would be very very hard to beat but uh, that would have been bittersweet point yesterday because in each of the last three league games there's been a crucial late goal now twice it was them 
and twice it was the same play again the 90th minute equaliser for them but yeah 90 plus 6 or 90 plus 7 yesterday and Aaron Williams really starting to find his feet at National League level and uh, a striker we picked out pre-season uh, they've got an embarrassment of riches haven't they really uh, with Bleasley with Muldoon with Knowles with uh, Aaron Williams as well Harrogate and uh, doing very much the same as Salford you know not today that particularly went their way but they hung in the game stayed in the game got themselves the last minute equaliser and never underestimate a point away from home no exactly it's a really good point that good point as well for Chesterfield as we said a team who were on a bit of a bad run at the minute Hartlepool uh, they lost 4-0 at Bromley which means that, that they still stay out of the playoff places Sutton have leapfrogged them as well now and in terms of Hartlepool Liam Noble's in the non-league paper today putting praise on, on Matthew Bates saying look he's still young We've got to, everyone's got to get behind him and, and, and he's still learning he's going to make mistakes but they're on a little bit of a sticky patch at the minute aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I gave you my opinion on Hartlepool after I watched them a month or so ago. It's always difficult, you know, to do it based on one game. But at the time, you know, I think they were sat in seventh place. And I said, realistically, do I think they'll finish in the top seven? Probably not. Um, but it's a world of difference from what they've been used to over the last uh, few seasons. What's never going to help you to pick up points, uh, Luke, is getting a player sent off, particularly, you know, earlier on in the game. And I think it's two weeks running now. Hartlepool have uh, gone down to 10 men. Uh, Andrew Davies last week, Peter Chioso with a second yellow card um, and yesterday. And, uh, you know, it's tough enough to get the points, isn't it, at National League level without giving your opponents a man advantage. Yeah, and I think Peter Chioso's... Um your stereotypical hard man if you look at his stats he's had seven yellow cards and one red this year which kind of says it all he loves a tackle I think yeah I mean seven yellow cards when I think it's either 21 yeah I think it's 21 games you know that they have to go uh, if they get any more than five cards they pick up a uh, a suspension he'll obviously have already had one for the yellow cards but now he'll have another one for the red card as well and uh, no that's not going to help Matthew Bates um it's one thing being committed, um, but you also need to be disciplined. And uh, forgive me, I say that not knowing the reason why Kioso picked up his uh, second yellow yesterday. I'm not across that, but uh, as I say, you can't uh, you can't go down to ten men. I think they were already, to be fair, two nil down at that point. And to be fair to uh, Bromley, who we haven't really mentioned yet, have we? What a great win for them! A real morale-boosting win for them. And they sit comfortably mid-table, 14th this morning. They've just struggled for consistency this season, Bromley, haven't they, Luke? Yeah, they'll have, um, they'll have a good run and then they'll slip off again. As you say, they're in 14th. They'll be pleased with that. They're well clear of the relegation zone, six points. And Frankie Sutherland's starting to score the goals for them now. Yeah, both penalties, I think, yesterday. But they're both goals to his name. And he's looking reliable for them this season. And, uh, yeah, a little bit of tweaking that Neil Smith's had to do. But uh, at the end of the day now, this is their third season consistently in and around up uh, sort of mid or upper mid table for Bromley. And, uh, you know, that's, that's par, that's par, possibly slightly overachieving, Neil Smith would probably tell you. Yeah, I think any, anything mid table for Bromley will be a, an excellent result for them. We're going to head down to the bottom because it's really tight and haven't finally um, won they haven't won in a while but they had a really good win over Halifax are out are in really bad form at the minute but that coupled with Maidenhead's defeat at Dover massive win for Dover there means haven't leap haven't leapfrog Maidenhead now uh, and, and come out of the relegation places and psychologically that'll be massive for, for Lee Bradbury and his men yeah absolutely we touched on it last weekend in the podcast that uh, the likes of Maidenhead and uh, having a Waterlooville and also Dagenham Redbridge are all starting to pick up poor, uh, form and, and points and, and, and wins you know and uh, worrying for teams like Maidenhead who are the one who are dropping like a stone right now that's two defeat in four days conceding nine goals in the process um, you know an absolute battering by having uh, by seven goals in midweek something we should touch on with us not having a midweek podcast mm. so uh, it's all it's all been about Alfie I think uh, I think five of the uh, nine goals haven't scored Tuesday and Saturday have, by, have been by the Alfies Alfie Rutherford and uh, uh, 
friend of the show, Alf Avi Pavey, finally getting himself going. Got to mention, obviously, that it would have been a big boost for him to, to win 7-0 against a fellow relegation rival. So to get back-to-back wins, as I say, now they'll be looking to, to really push on now, haven't And like you say, with the firepower they've got, Alfie Rutherford and Alfie Pavey, uh, you don't see why not. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, well done, haven't uh, six Six precious points in a week, much like Braintree got the six. Well, that'll be disputed by Hakan Hayretin when we speak to him in a little while. But, uh, yeah, no, some of the teams at the bottom really starting to gather momentum and, and, and get the points on board. But the fear of God on those lower mid-table sides. Yeah, a massive win for Dover, as they said, against Maidenhead. Uh, Kevin Locko opening a scoring and Jay Reason getting a second. And an interesting signing at Dover this week, Rob. I think we have to doff our cap to Lee Wargan who left uh, Maidstone after 246 consecutive appearance between the sticks. It must have been quite a wrench for him to go, but you have to think about the future. And uh, he's uh, accepted a player coaching role at Dover. Good luck to him, to Andy Hessenthaler. Good appointment from, from Hessenthaler. He's got a lot of work to do there. He knows that, but uh, three precious points for Dover. And... Uh, what it, what it does, it just tightens things up a little bit at the bottom. Dover are a little bit adrift, but uh, they're within six points of, of, of safety. Believe me, that look a lot look, going to look an awful lot better than being nine points off it. Yeah, and they're just two points behind Braintree, who you saw yesterday at Aldershot, and it was a good and a vital victory for Aldershot. Lifts them up into 13th place, but Braintree keeps them second bottom, and... Uh, well, it, we found out we've got a new fan, haven't we, Rob? Yeah, I uh, very kindly, or, or rather very kindly, Hakan Hayretin was willing to have a little chat after the game. He did a whole host of interviews yesterday, and they're never fun when your team's lost, particularly to a late goal. But I have to admit, um, he was very, very cheerful and helpful, and uh, I think quite buoyant and quite rightly so, because uh, as uh, as he went on to point out, they've had a very good uh, week or 10 days or so, brain treat. Um just briefly from Aldershot Town's point of view, uh, it'll never go down as a classic. It, it, it probably was the, the the least exciting game I, I've watched all season. There wasn't too many key moments in it. Braintree came very, very organised and probably were heading for a deserved point until late on. And then just one moment of real class and real quality, free kick from the edge of the area and the uh, wonderful left foot of Adam McDonnell is in great form for all the shot player of the month. Curled in the, uh, the free kick to, to secure all three points for shots, which lifts them to 13th, Luke, and uh, the highest they've been so far this season. Um, just one other point to make while we're on all the shot Dan Holman who was the conference's uh, top scorer just two seasons ago uh, has left the club this week citing the, the extensive travel day in day out from the Midlands uh, to, uh, to to train and, and not to play not been involved playing for uh, three or four games as well uh, it's such a shame I've got to say I really want Holman as a striker but it hasn't worked out for him at all the shot maybe it's the way they play maybe that doesn't plays I don't know but somebody somewhere is going to get themselves a very very decent striker Luke and uh, mm. from an Aldershot Town point of view the real disappointment is it does it does seem apparent that the funds the wages released by Holman's departure are not going to be made available to the management team to get in a replacement which suggests that uh, a dip in form and a dip in gates is uh, hitting Aldershot Town in the pocket Interesting, yeah, we'll keep abreast of that and, um, well, you'll be the man with a finger on the pulse, Rob in terms of uh, any inside information on that and it was interesting you say about it wasn't the most exciting game I mean, obviously, on the, on the Twitter yesterday you could try and keep abreast of games and you know a game's dull when at half-time they go, oh, here's some match action shots photos of what's happened during the game and it's just people yeah. tackling each other, basically Yeah, absolutely, no, I mean look, every game can't be a classic I understand that and... Uh, you know, uh, watching Aldershot under Gary Waddock has is, is, is been so refreshing over the last couple of years compared to the three or four years before that. So you won't find me complaining. But getting back to Braintree, uh, yeah, um, decent form late of late. They've given themselves a chance to uh, get closer to a, a safe position. And uh, after the game, 
I did catch up with their manager, Hakan Hayretin. I've been joined by Hakan Hayretin, the former and the current uh, Raintree Town manager. First of all, welcome back, Hakan, and the NL full-time podcast. Very happy to talk to you. And we watched your progress in recent weeks with interest. Uh, six precious points over the last week. Uh, seven. Just, uh, I beg your pardon? Seven. Seven, seven from Salford. Seven from Salford, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, this afternoon... Very, very little in it with Aldershot Town and just yeah. one, one moment of quality we, ceiling at the end. We've said that probably one of the best footballing teams at this level. We we, we, we stayed strong for a long time and we, we, we had a plan. It nearly came off. They scored from a, a free kick, which I don't really think was a free kick, mm. in my opinion, but it was a great finish, so we can't complain about that. But like I said, the boys have given us everything. You're obviously enjoying being back there. Do you come in feeling like you've got a point to prove or is it more a question of just working with where they're at, with what you've got and getting the very best? Yeah, look, last time was a different scenario where I came in and they, there was loads of players that were on contract that I wouldn't have personally signed that I couldn't move on. This time, it's a different scenario where you've got a, a younger, a fresher group that haven't really got a lot of experience at this level but are willing to learn and work hard and, and you can manipulate the situation to your positive. They're a great bunch of lads and we've been here for a little while now and they've given us a a hell of a lot of uh, encouragement whilst we've been working with them. Well, one of the players that, that, that myself and the boys have been discussing at Braintree this season uh, is Mo Betema. Uh, Tommy works for our podcast team, watched him a little bit last season and was very yeah. impressed. Undoubtedly a good signing. He's, he's got six goals already this season. I was a little surprised not to see his name in the, yeah, the line-up yeah, today. Yeah, Can yeah, I ask yeah, you about that? Yeah, I, I, listen, I think, I think from my own personal experience, when a player phones you up three hours before the FA Cup game and said, tells you his, his head's not in the right place to play then you know that he's not with you um, I think he's personally at that precise moment in time let his teammates down he refused to play but he still wanted to come to the game so I don't want you at the game mm. um, and I haven't seen him since if I'm being totally honest with you mm. it was a situation which I inherited um, I played him in a position where I thought he could get goals for us and after that I never saw him Mm. Um, he's, he's chose to move on probably I don't know where he's going to go but in my own personal opinion I think he's conducted himself unprofessionally you know that's his choice and wherever he goes I wish him all the best Can I ask then is, is he not under any contract at Braintree? I don't think he is And just looking forward then um, to what you've got ahead of, of yourself Hakan uh, what's your next uh, game for me? Tell me My next game is probably going to go and watch Spurs play with my son Yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Spurs fan Yeah but obviously I've got to sit down with the board of directors and then they've got to discuss what they want and if, if they want to offer me the job permanently and then we can go from there. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us and uh, all the best for the Thank rest you. of the season. Cheers. Cheers. And that was Hakan Hayretin, as Rob said. And, uh, well, he's also a fan of the podcast, so hello, Hakan, wherever you're listening to this. Um, but interesting what you said about Mo Betamu as well, Rob. That's a big thing to come out of your interview with him. Yeah, I, I, I must admit I hadn't been quite across that and it was only yesterday when I... Uh, when I was just jotting down the formation on the team sheet, I thought, hey, hang on a minute, where's Mo Betema? I've been really looking forward to watching him. Tom had waxed lyrical about him, and uh, I've seen some of the goals he has scored this season as well. You know, and when you are a club like Braintree, uh, you've only got to look at their goal scorers, and, uh, you know, pretty much, I think, 15 of the goals have been scored by just three players, and, and very little else other than them. So... For one of those to be missing, you know, it's always going to make it that much harder for them to uh, to pick up points. But uh, I thought uh, the way that Hakan dealt with it was uh, very professional. Um, and uh, as we all know, if a player doesn't want to be at a football club for whatever reason, Luke, there's no point in chasing after them. You've got to let them go. No, and I think I think the only frustration for for Hakan will be that he's not on a contract you know sometimes players do down tools but at least you could get some money for him and it sounds like because he's not on contract they're just not going to get anything for him yeah it's a really interesting one this because one thing I, I, I had picked up that Bradley Quinton what he'd done was he wanted to give a lot of the players and I know Betham is one of those that came in but he wanted to give a lot of his players the opportunity to prove themselves at this level and so one of the things I picked up from reading some of the early uh, uh, feedback out of Braintree this season was that a lot of the groups stayed there, but he didn't necessarily award them all contracts. And I think that was kind of seemed like a smart move in one respect. Let's see if they can do it at this level, then we'll, we'll fix up a few more contracts. A player with the potential of Mo Vetema, um, you know, that's where I think getting a player like that in very exciting player on the eye someone who can really make a difference in games as he's gone on to prove from 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 the club's point of view 
you would have thought they really should have tied him down to a contract. So that at the very least, if someone else came in for him, they were compensated. So Dagenham, they had some sad news during the week. The life president and former chairman Dave Andrews passed away. He did a lot for that football club, got him into the football league. Couldn't win for him on Saturday at Sutton, but for Dagenham... <laughs> For all the positivity that surrounded the recent takeover, there's some sad news there this week, wasn't there? Yeah, it's always sad to hear um, any any news like that. And uh, it's a shame also for Dagenham that on the day when they will have uh, paid their respects to him that they uh, they couldn't pick up any points. But uh, as we said, they, they've improved a lot of late. It's always a difficult place to go to, going to Green Lane. And the Sutton wheels just keep on turning, don't they? Um, they are now in a playoff position they've swapped places with Gateshead in the table this week uh, Kieran with the goal on this occasion and uh, for Sutton much like Aldershot yesterday uh, sometimes you keep a clean sheet you find a way to score a goal somewhere it's still the very same point as if you win 3 or 4 nil. putting on your hat now I mean going sort of can we say mid-season predictions now I mean do you think the bottom four will stay as it is or do you think they'll be twists and turns still? I mean, you look at Halifax, I mean, they're in a dreadful run, aren't they? Sorry, I put you on the spot there. <laughs> no, that's all right. No, no, I don't mind that. I had a look at it. This is a really tough one because we've seen last year how any one side, when they pick up a little bit of momentum, they can go on a great run. And for any of those teams at the bottom at the moment, even Dover, if they can put three wins together they're going to climb to lower mid-table, you know. So there's an awful lot of this still to unravel. Uh, I fear hugely for Maidenhead, but then when I look, and, and to be honest, although there is a revival at Braintree, I think it's going to be tough for Braintree, Dover and Maidenhead. I do see Dagenham with a little bit more resourcefulness and with the experience of Peter Taylor. I think they're well equipped to, uh, you know, climb up the table a little bit. And I think Maidstone under Harry Wheeler as well. I think Chesterfield undoubtedly, you know, will, will have again the manager and the resourcefulness to be able to pull away from trouble. Um, and uh, having a Waterlooville, well, what would we have said a week ago, Luke? Um, we have to refine that a little bit now. We have to dock our cap to nine goals without reply in two games, don't we? You know, uh, so who knows what's going to happen there. For clubs like Barrow, and, and, and I must point this out actually for Barrow, they went down to uh, defeat yesterday at uh, Ebbsfleet, but I've seen the stats from that game, and they had four times as many efforts on goal as Ebbsfleet, and I, I, I had a little bit of a read of the match report in the non-league paper as well, and it started with the word, you don't always get what you deserve in football. Uh, by all accounts, Barrow very, very unlucky to, uh, yesterday, um, you know, not to pick up any points, but uh, they're potentially going to be involved. Halifax as well, Luke, if they don't start sorting out, getting some points on the road, they, they could drift a little bit into trouble as well. Mm. Um, obviously beaten by Haven yesterday and uh, not too far away from danger. They've got a five-point cushion, yeah. but they're one that, 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 that could get pulled into it. I know Jamie Fullerton's big mantra's been, well, we've played a lot of the top sides, which is why the farm's not been great. Well, they've lost to Haven, whose farm hasn't been great, it's fair to say, up until last Tuesday when they beat Maidenhead. So there will be some concern among the Halifax fans. As you said with Barrow, I think Ian Everett's main gripe's been that they've not been taking chances when they've been on top like they didn't at Ebbsfleet. And you feel if they do start converting those chances that they'll be fine. And from what I've read and from what I've seen, I think Barrow will be fine, won't they? Yeah, I mean, it's just so it's so hard to call at this stage. We're not, you know, we're about four games short of halfway. Uh, and obviously the league table has taken good shape. shape. Um, you know, look, it's a new manager at Barrow. It's an awful lot of new players as well. And I've not even seen them with my naked eye. So I don't really want to call, you know, what their prospects are until I've watched them play. But, um, yeah, unquestionably um, at this stage, they probably they probably would have taken 17th, wouldn't they, at this stage? 22 points on board. Certainly not bad. I, ju I just think when you look at the sort of clubs that might get pulled into trouble, they've still got to come into that category. And uh, I don't rule out teams like... Uh, uh, all the shot on Ebbsfleet from that either. It was uh, a massive win for Ebbsfleet that yesterday um, on Saturday. Uh, what we'll do now is we'll move on to the Vanarama National League North. As I said, Chris isn't here with us physically, but he is with us in spirit, and um, he sent us this over. This is his review of the National League North. On a day of high winds and sendings off, it was a result at Kidderminster Harriers that caught the eye. 
most. It was Kidderminster Harriers 1, Southport 4. Southport stunning the promotion chasing Kidderminster Harriers by hitting them for 4. Jack Sampson with 2, Jason Gilchrist with 1 and Dion Charles with 1-2 and they all 4 goals for Southport came before half time. There were other equally interesting results as Chorley 3 losses in a row now. They went down at home to Spennymore Town. They were 1-0 up as well when Elliot Newby put them uh, ahead on the hour and Joe Atkinson and Glenn Taylor hit back straight away to give Spennymore the lead there. Spennymore now in third place in the division. Not a huge surprise but what is a surprise is Chorley's losing three match run of late. There were other notable results as well uh, as York City were beaten 4-1 at home by Bradford Park Avenue. Now when you look at the league table with Bradford Park Avenue doing so well this season and York City having another mediocre time this result perhaps isn't as much of a surprise but Joseph Tate was sent off on 25 minutes for York City and Bradford Park Avenue took full advantage Jake Beasley getting two goals Jamie Spencer getting one to put them 3-0 ahead Sean Newton pulled one back for York City before Ben McKenna put the icing on the cake for Bradford Park Avenue with the fourth goal on 82 minutes. Great result that for Bradford Park Avenue. And Bradford Park Avenue are the team that Curzon Ashton have next Saturday. And I was there at Curzon Ashton at the Tameside Stadium today as they took on Stockport County. Both teams starting the day in 10th and 11th place. County in 10th, Curzon in 11th. And it was a very tight first half. There was a lot of bookings in this game. It wasn't a hugely dirty game. But uh, the crucial moment of the first half came when Samuel Walker buried a penalty just before half-time to put County 1-0 ahead. In the second half, County dominated a bit more possession and in fairness were, were the better team Cameron McJanet Stoke City Loney for Curzon Ashton was sent off for a what, what looked like a bit of an elbow he got his second yellow card he may well have got a, a straight red for that on another day and Elliot Osborne's exquisitely taken second for, for Stockport County uh, gave them the three points Stockport County now on a on a good unbeaten run and they'll be looking forward to their trip to Yeovil in the FA Cup first round next Saturday. Curzon Ashton welcome Bradford Park Avenue and I spoke to Curzon Ashton manager John Flanagan after the game. Joined by John Flanagan on uh, NL full time. John what were your thoughts on today's game? Best side won. I think with that type of performance from ourselves I think if we, we got a draw that would have been the most we could have hoped for. It was scrappy we failed to play first half and uh, uh, subsequent well to be fair it, it was there wasn't a lot of a lot going on in the in the first half in terms of we were defending but we were dealing with things generally there weren't many clear cut chances at all but we've we've given away a soft penalty just just before half time which has given them everything to uh, to hold on to so very disappointing the fact that we you know the, the way that the, the the penalty came about poor defending from our point of view. Um, I'd have to look at it on the film to, to it was all very quick to, but, but the referee told me it's a push and a, a definite push in the box second half I thought we did a little better thought we moved the ball a little bit better but um, we didn't have enough um, but once the second goal has gone in then it's a mountain to climb we get we, we lose we lose a man we get out of turn it was it was going to be tough top and bottom was that we uh, we just weren't good enough and I've seen you a few times this season and from what I see it looks like overall you've got one of the strongest squads you've had in the last few years well you like to think so every time you, you assemble a squad you, 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 you're looking to tweak on what you did previously and try and look at what, what you need to make a little bit better if you can mm. the difficulty is getting the players available the, the Lions feed first and, they, and then we have to get the, the scraps really with the sort of hyenas that come afterwards <laughs> and, and get the bits you know and hopefully you get all of a good player that's maybe lost his way a little bit or can't, can't quite get in and then they're prepared to pay for a bit less a bit less money and come and get treated properly that's what we do offer people a nice a nice pitch we try and do it the right way if we can and we try and be honest with people and be fair and try and look after them and most people's experience of coming to Curzon's a good one. So. 
And realistic, what expectations for this season? Oh, well, expe- I don't know if expectations are worth expectations can go sky high, can't they? I mean, I, um, I don't think it's an expectation for me. It's just a, a case of where can we get to, and I think realistically where we can get to is probably halfway. With a bit of luck, a prevailing wind, we might get just over halfway because of the level of player that we have. And they, I don't know, good players, we just, we just, but it's trying to get the consistency out. That's, that's difficult, and uh, we, we, it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to find the same level of performance again and again and again we find it very 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 hard to do that so the first thoughts is to stay in the division always we're really really happy blessed in a way to be playing at this level our rise was sudden and um, and we're working hard in, in a lot of areas we're working hard off the pitch to try and find find some extra funds for us to try because we want we don't want to just be taking part and being being happy to be in the league, which is we are. But we want we want more than that. We want to be able to compete. We want to be a good side. We want to be dangerous and we want to be exciting. And, uh, and you only get that with good players and exciting with pace and hunger and desire and all those sort of things. And we need to improve. My biggest one to get consistency and. I've looked at it time and time again and my only feeling is it's just about better quality players without knocking any of my players because we've got some good players. Better quality players seem to be able to do it more often. They'll have have a bad one one in eight as opposed to our lads might be having four in eight. That's the thing for us to achieve. That's an achievement if we can do that. We're doing okay and we're not going to get too upset the fact that it's stopped account was a bit of a dab match around the corner and all that and we've got a lot of fans in my ear. I don't mind that. It's not, it's not, a, not a big problem. So, uh, good luck to him. Okay, John. Best luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. And that was Curzon Aston manager John Flanagan, and he was just talking there about, you know, strengthening his squad, and there's a few things that he'd like to put in place. From my point of view, I think that's possibly the strongest uh, Curzon Aston team that I've seen in a in a good few seasons. So I do expect them to solidify their mid-table position and perhaps even sneak into the top half of the table as well. Elsewhere around the division, there was a fantastic win for. FC United at Blythe Spartans they they beat them 3-0 at Blythe and it looks like FC United have turned a corner and it's good to see Kurt Willoughby open the, the goal scoring in that game Tom Pears on 21 minutes and Lewis Mansell completed the scoring as FC United continue their good run of form and look to move up the league table before Christmas time. In other results, it was there was two sendings off for Alfreton versus Telford United. Newish signing, Rhys Steich, was sent off for Alfreton just after the hour. Dominic Udo sent off for Telford on 38 minutes and Jordan Sinnott and Shane Sutton shared the goals there as, they, as those two sides drew. Ashton United with a late equaliser came from behind against Boston United Liam Tonsett's late equaliser came only two minutes after Bradley Abbott was sent off for, for Boston United and that's a valuable point for Ashton United in the lower reaches of the table it was Brackley Town 2, Chester 2 it was Darlington 0, Geisley 0 and next up for, for Geisley will be at Ashton United and I'll be there on Tuesday night running the rule over Geisley's um, season in the National League North it was Hereford 1, Altrincham 1, Josh Hancock bagging a really late equaliser for Altrincham. In the week that they signed Charlie Scott, a former Manchester United youth player, who it's fair to say caused a bit of uh, bit of attention on Twitter this week, did that. But in front of over 2,000 people, good point there for, for Altrincham and points dropped for, for Hereford, of course. Now, new owners at Nuneaton Borough, but no new look on the field as they went down 2-0 to, to Leamington with Colby Bishop and Kieran Dunbar getting the two goals for Leamington as they solidify their mid-table position. And that's all for the for the National League North for this week. Like I say, I'll be at Ashton United versus Geisley on, on Tuesday night to, to have a look at those two teams. And I'm back again at Curzon Ashton looking at High Flyers, Bradford Park Avenue next week. Thanks very much and until next week. So that was Chris's little roundup there of the National League North and I think the standout result for me, Rob, is Southport. One win all season going to Kidderminster, being 4-0 up at half-time. Kidderminster kicking themselves. Neil McFarlane said, look, we've missed out on another opportunity to go top, especially with Charlie losing three on the spin now. Yeah, it's incredibly tight at the top, isn't it? Just one point between uh, four sides now. But what a victory for Southport. There you go. You see, a couple of us predicted them for good things this year, didn't we? <laughs> and they're flying now. They're off the bottom and uh, up to 21st place. So... Don't write off our predictions just yet. 
<laughs> oh, that's a bit optimistic, Rob. <laughs> yeah, um, but for yeah, me, he's a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but Bradford, I mean, a great win, great win for them away four-one at, at York. They've gone up into second now, and they're only second on goal difference. And talking of Nuneaton and Borough, they are bottom. They got they lost again in a local derby against Leamington. But they've had great news this week in that they've been saved. They've been saved by a local yeah. businessman, former non-league defender Nick Hawkins, as the non-league paper reports today, and he wants to bring the good times back to Nuneaton and I think listening to the fans they don't care if they get relegated as long as they can start again and start to climb again it's really good news for Nuneaton and it's always good to bring the new good news stories and uh, that was literally the right thing at the right time for them and good to see a sort of footballing chap coming in you know mm. having having gone on not to obviously uh, build his fortune uh, you know outside of the game but now ploughing a little bit back in uh, we could probably use that good news story and bring us to the uh, National League South review this week Truro City before we even look at any football results uh, in that division at the weekend magnificent news for them it does look very very likely that they will return to Treyu Park uh, their home uh, before Christmas Luke yeah great news for them and they got a good result on the pitch yesterday 2-2 against fellow relegation rivals East Thurrock and that pops them out of the relegation zone I mean they look they were dead and buried a few weeks ago, didn't they? We, we really feared for them, but it's been a great week for them on and off the pitch. They probably, um, they probably would have been left uh, left historic a little bit disappointed though, because uh, that man Higgins uh, still banging in the goals. He uh, he, he levelled in the uh, 90, 90th minute yesterday, so Truro City were actually heading for a win and. Since we've started down the bottom end of the National League South, there's only one team we have to award the National League South uh, team of the day, Luke, and it's got to be Western Supermare. Mm. That rock bottom of the league. But they got their first win of the season on the 3rd of November, a 1-0 win at Hungerford, thanks to a, a 65th-minute uh, penalty from Bradley Ash. And they've only gone and doubled their points tally for the season, Luke. Yeah, first first win of the season, and do you know what I mean? People go on about the FA Cup, but they beat Bath City, got to the first round in the FA Cup, and um, that's just probably given them a massive confidence boost to take that into the game against Hungerford, and they've got back-to-back victories now. Absolutely, and, and, and just spinning that round, it'll be a devastating defeat for Hungerford because you know they found points hard to come by, particularly of late, and uh, you know there are certain games you look at, don't you, and you sort of think, well we need to be picking up points in that one and uh, it will hurt you know as much as that's great for Truro to, uh, I beg your pardon for Western Supermare to get their first win of the season Hungerford will not want to be the uh, team whose name's on the other end of that stat Hungerford have been kind of flirting in and out of the uh, the relegation places over the season haven't they really one week they'll get a good result and come back they'll, ju- uh, they'll jump out and then it's, I think the big results for them are they losing to teams around them, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, there's some funny old results yesterday in the uh, in the National League South. One that really caught my eye was Hampton Richmond. I know they've been a little bit out of form, but they went down four two at home to uh, Oxford City, who are another one of those clubs that were down there, starting to pull themselves away a little bit. From trouble. Farmer shot on the score sheet from as well, and Joe Osler. Joe Osler, yeah, 100% passionate and wholehearted guy. Big fan of Joe. He suffered some uh, some difficult and some consistent ankle injuries towards the end of his time at Aldershot before he uh, he left them. Yeah, another one that caught my eye. One of the clubs involved in that fight down at the bottom who did go down yesterday and they lost at home, 2-1 Gloucester City, but to Dartford and. A little bit under the radar, Luke. We've commented on the uh, new management team perhaps struggling to uh, to deliver on the back of a strong, strong season last year. But they're, they're coming back into the reckoning and with their 2-1 win at Gloucester yesterday, they actually sit now uh, level on points with the, the side uh, at the bo- uh, you know seventh in the playoffs. So uh, just outside the playoffs now for, for Dartford. So they could kick on and, and they will feel there's they've still got the best part of their season ahead of them yeah and I think bringing in Charlie Sheringham has been a big boost for him that, funny enough Rob you took the words right out of my mouth a little bit because I was just thinking oh, look at Dartford all of a sudden they're in 10th and they're in a, a really good place aren't they yeah they're well positioned to strike you've got this bizarre thing going on a bit like we had last year at the moment 
you know, there's about eight, nine teams with just kind of two couple of points separating. This one hell of a, you know, you could look, you could look at the league table right down to even Dulwich Hamlet in 16th place on 21 points. They are just three points off the playoffs, Luke. So uh, uh, this once again this season, the uh, National League South is the division that keeps on giving. Yeah, and proof of how tight it is is Chippenham they were 2-0 up against Woking if they'd have held on to that they'd have gone into the playoffs however Woking scored two late goals uh, including an own goal from Richards which must be devastating for him and all of a sudden Chippenham were in 12th when they could have been 6th and that just shows how tight it is yeah incredibly tight and uh, uh, a tremendous comeback from Woking yesterday which you know ultimately the top three sides in the National League South all got draws yesterday but if you'd have looked at the state of play with uh, just a few minutes to go uh, it was looking like, like Woking would have lost ground but uh, they got back Jamal Loza uh, has uh, joined them recently and uh, he scored the first goal they got the they got the comeback they got the point and ultimately that's all the first and second place sides Welling and Billericay could get yesterday uh, Welling also came back late 90th minute equaliser for them to rob uh, Wilston of a couple of points uh, and then the other probably the big game yesterday in the National League South was at Plainmore wasn't it and Torquay United in great form of late up into the playoff positions and they had uh, a 2 goal lead uh, going into the second half against Billericay but Billericay uh, Adam Cunnington off the bench to get both goals for them and uh, you could say that all the top three all did really really well coming back to pick up a point yesterday yeah, Jake Robinson, unused sub, I think, just coming back from injury. Adam Coombs is back from his loan spell at Welling. And yeah, like I said, Adam Cunnington, he's not really been sort of the main man this season. He's, he's popped up and that just shows um, Billericay's squad. And what interested me as well was quotes from Dean Brennan saying he wasn't sort of... Normally when you hear, you see, hear clubs with big budgets, they go, oh, we've not got a big budget. Dean Brennan said, look, what a squad of 22. We've got the money to do it. Everyone knows we've got the money to do it, but I'm going to pick the right player as well, which was refreshing to hear in a way, because normally people go, oh, yeah, we've not got a lot of money. Everyone thinks we have, but we haven't, and not pay out really stupid wages. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's the right approach to take. Um, you mentioned about Adam Coombs there. That's fascinating, actually. I don't know, maybe somebody from Welling or Billericay can get in touch with us at NL Full Time on uh, Facebook or on uh, Twitter. It's fascinating that one. We picked up that just a week or two ago, he scored a couple of goals for Welling. I'm pretty sure when he went on loan to Welling, they were kind of down in seventh, eighth position. Now they represent a genuine rival going for the title, don't they, for Billericay? And I'd love to know a little bit more about that low move and the fact that it's now ended and Coombs is back and he's back involved with Billericay. Was it always the intention that he went there and got some minutes and got some fitness? Or is there a little bit of strategy going on there? Well, hang on a minute. Why would we let one of our players be on loan to one of our two or three key rivals for the title? Well, yeah, as you say, maybe it was the fact that Welling are down in mid-table and they thought, well... Uh, we'll let him get some games and see if he can help well him but uh, he's helped him more than I think Billy Ricky maybe expected I mean he's uh, he's, scored, he's on five goals but I think I don't know how many scored I don't think he's scored for Billy Ricky yet has he I think those five goals have come far well in if any Billy Ricky fans want to get in touch Jake Robinson maybe he can tweet us and let us know <laughs> or uh, or DM us and, uh, and let us know or any Welling fans as well Steve King if you're listening you can, you're can. you very welcome to get in touch with us as well just looking at other results there say Dulwich Hamlet they've had some great news off the pitch picked up their farm on the pitch as well they won 1-0 against St Albans they're well ensconced in the playoffs Bath City surprising result for them it was their first home game in seven weeks on Saturday in the league and uh, unfortunately they couldn't get a victory a good crowd of 916 saw them fall to defeat though against Hemel Hempstead Town and uh, Bath will be a bit disappointed with that won't they? Yeah I think um, in, in many people's eyes they would have been overperforming of late and they've just had a little bit of a reality check the last uh, couple of weeks it's uh, a fantastic win for Hemel though and uh, you know a little bit like um, Chelmsford a little bit like Dartford you know they've kind of not really been in that top six or seven this season uh, much but get three points at the right time they really do give you some leverage in the table and uh, they're another one a bit like Chelsea from Dartford that could argue we're just two or three points off the playoffs yeah I mean there's seven points off 
top at sorry six points off top at the minute but certainly the well well I was going to say the well in the playoffs but you don't you don't know in the National League South I mean as you say you can go down to Hemel Hempstead who are now only three points off getting in the playoffs themselves so it's difficult you you, you win back-to-back games you're in the playoffs you lose a back-to-back couple of games and you're out of the playoffs it's difficult and I suppose that's the beauty of this new playoff system is that you never feel you're out of contention do you? No absolutely Um, you know yeah you say playoff you're in the playoff one minute on back to back wins and the next week you're in lower mid table (laughs) well even even as we said a point of chipping them you're in the playoffs with 20 minutes to go and all of a sudden they're down in mid-table again which they'll be I mean as we spoke to uh, to Lee the other week the Chipping fan he said they'd be delighted with mid-table but the way the season's going for them if they get in the playoffs that's a massive achievement for them and they'll feel like it's a bit of a blow so uh, I was I was a big spe- I was a bit sceptical of this new playoff system but hey thumbs up it's, it's making it so much more exciting isn't it yeah I must admit I think I think one or two purists took their time to come round to it but uh, I, I think the, the, the pros most definitely out, outweigh the cons so next week is FA Cup first round day and they split over the, the Saturday and the Sunday be interesting the first round next week one game that you'll be at Rob is Aldershot versus Bradford and to me that says upset written all over it Bradford are an absolute mess at the minute on and off the pitch they're, they're struggling the bottom of League One and um Aldershot will have a really good opportunity, won't they? They will. You know, the Shots love a, a home cup tie against higher opposition. They've had a few results over the years. Uh, and and in, in some respects, as you say, it's probably as good a time as any to play Bradford. They'll, they'll, they'll be desperate to preserve their uh, League One status. They gave a good account of themselves, by all means. They went down narrowly 1-0 to high-flying Portsmouth. Uh, at the weekend and, that, and a lot of that game was spent with 10 players as well but there's a number of ties like that where you've got the non-league side at home to a league side and uh, you know potential for shock uh, probably I think taking on Peterborough that's probably less less likely um, but there's uh, a really interesting article in the non-league paper this weekend about that where some of the uh, experts there Matt Badcock and uh, Alex Neri have given their thoughts and uh, they've each picked out uh, five non-league clubs that they think might be in the next round uh, one or two picking uh, the likes of uh, Maidstone as well uh, to progress and uh, you know what a difference financially it will make for any non-league clubs that can come through this round 25,000 the prize money for the last round and then I think it's about 36 isn't it um, if they get through this round Luke Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! You've hit the jackpot if you get through this round. I think definitely. And like, and say for all the shot, if say there are worries over the um, financial issues there, then that'd be massive for them. You can maybe bring somebody in then on the back of that. Well, yeah, I think uh, I did ask that question of the assistant manager James Rowe yesterday, and I think he's certainly unsure. Even if uh, some more prize money is obtained in that competition, how much, if any, of it will be made available to the management team? Uh, but yeah, it, it, it can it can make a huge huge difference. I don't think any of us that you know are certainly as old as me and got the most magnificent memories of the FA Cup. I never ever want to start talking about how amazing it is as a result of you know the finances. But undoubtedly, the finances have been reviewed and looked at. And you know, particularly in these early rounds, there is a little bit more prize money. So yeah, it is significant and. Not just the prize money, Luke, as well, but as the rest of the country, those that mostly watch uh, EFL football or Premier League football, start to suddenly take a little bit of notice of the FA Cup at this stage. And, uh, you know, the, ga- the, the clubs that have got their games live on TV, they're in for a massive windfall. And even those that have had their games moved to the Sunday, still picking up, I think, an £8,000 fee for doing so. Um, Aldershot Bradford isn't one of those games. Sadly, Bradford couldn't change their game to the, to the Sunday because I think they play the following Tuesday and Friday uh, and that's a more than acceptable reason but uh, yeah that meant that Aldershot list lost out on £8,000 and even that's significant money at this level In, Indeed yeah any, any sort of little windfall will help another team that you can look at we, we featured them a few weeks ago Step 3 Haringey Borough uh, they play AFC Wimbledon that's a Friday night game and AFC Wimbledon another team in real strife at the bottom of League 1 and there's potential upset there as well I mean Neil Idle is under real pressure at Wimbledon yeah absolutely they've got absolutely nothing to lose have they Harry Gay and uh, you know the country will be watching 
that and uh, I'm sure the neutral will be hoping for an FA Cup shock and uh, it's, just, it's a name as well isn't it that Don Wimbledon obviously you know uh, a big name in FA Cup history having uh, pulled off one of the biggest ever giant killings in the FA Cup final that year when uh, saved the penalty for Moldridge and they went on to beat Liverpool in the final Will it be, all, will it be AFC Wimbledon in the end of a, a giant killing this time? Two games will be at Rob as well you'll be at Hitchin versus Solihull and can you see Hitchin beating Solihull? They've always got a chance Luke if you give me some money to put on I know the odds wouldn't be great but I, 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 I think I'd have to put it on Solihull and um, they've been so consistent I think they've been bang on fifth place they've nailed on fifth place haven't they for I don't know how many weeks now they backed it up with a draw yesterday and they're such a difficult side to play against uh, you know in, in, in my conversation with uh, MJ the Hitchin goalkeeper who incidentally has been given their player of the month for the second month running um, he's going to get a workout that day and he's, he's going to need to call on his very best form to give Hitchin any chance because Sully Holmores will be bombarding uh, his goal mouth uh, with uh, balls from all angles from free kicks corners throwing and it's going to be a severe test for them but like all those lower ranked sides taking on higher ranked sides in the FA Cup with home advantage somebody's going to do it one or two of them are going to pull off shocks you can rest assured because there always is Luke yeah, game I'll be at is Geisley versus Cambridge United and we'll be getting all the reaction from both games as well. And I think Chris is going to Charlie versus Doncaster, which a couple of weeks ago he might have said uh, potential for an upset, but with Charlie's form at the minute, who knows? But anyway, we'll, um, we'll keep abreast of that and we'll have a bit of an FA Cup special next weekend as well as reviewing whatever happens in the National League fixtures as well. Hi, I'm Tim Flowers, Sully Moore's Football Club and you're listening to the National League Podcast. Our Step 3 focus this week are on Kingsland Town. They play in the Southern League. This club is the reincarnation of the former Kingsland club. It was wound up in 2009, unfortunately, re-established in 2010. They had to start again in the United Counties League and were runners-up in the first season, but they also reached the semi-finals of the FA Vars that season. In 2011-12 they were promoted to the Division 1 South of the Northern Premier League and they won that at the first attempt which earned promotion to the Premier Division. Uh, they were then transferred to the Premier Division of the Southern League. They reached the playoffs of the Southern Premier Division last season however they lost out to Slough Town in the final who are now doing well in National League South as we know. They play at the Walks ground and it's been there since 1879. It shows a lack of money back in the day because it was rep- the main stand was demolished in 1905 and replaced by a 500 seat wooden grandstand which cost just £250 which is nothing in these days. They currently sit 12th in the Southern Division this season had a good win away at Alvechurch by three goals to nil on Saturday. They have former Norwich City legend Ian Culverhouse back in charge for his second spell. He left after they lost in the playoffs last summer. He went to Grantham Town where he had a pretty unsuccessful spell so he's back now in his second stint there and he's brought in former Boston United goalkeeper Paul Bastock as his assistant. Kingsland are a team on the up and hopefully we'll be seeing them in the National League very soon. Um, Rob, thanks for joining us. Yeah, pleasure as always, Luke. Cheers. Thank you to Chris and uh, thank you all for listening. You can uh, tweet us and follow us at NL Full Time on Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, it's NL Full Time. And as well, we are now on iTunes. So if you can't always get on the, the Clip It site or the Audio Boom site, get yourself on iTunes subscribe download it then you'll get it to your iPhone every week and you can hear the podcast at your leisure so until then we shall see you all soon